developer experience. It's a term we hear often, but what does it actually mean? You might think it's just about technology, but of course, it hardly ever is. The engineering team at REI, the outdoor equipment company, are thought leaders in transparency about engineering practices. So who better to ask than two of their own engineers? Kat Valdre is engineering manager of the REI platform organization, and Jason Greeley is a solutions architect for the content and experience management platform. Together, they tell us what is a developer experience and how do you create a good one. You're listening to People Changing Enterprises. I'm your host, Jasmine Goodman. Please enjoy this episode with Kat and Jason from REI. Let's talk a bit about the topic you both know and love, which is developer experience. Kat, please set some context for us. What are platform engineering teams? How do they fit into the scope of the business at REI? So platform engineering teams at REI are essentially the layer between customer-facing engineering teams and the customer. For example, platform engineering teams provide things like content management system and content delivery services or our ontology services or analytics, everything that is not directly visible to the customer, but used by other teams that do interact with the customer. Some of these people, we call them the mole people. You never see them. If everything works, (laughs) you never know they exist. Until it breaks. Until it breaks. But most of them, it doesn't. Awesome. That, That is, in a nutshell, what platform teams are. But some of these platform teams are actually directly related to the happiness level of other engineers. For example, one of my teams provides front-end build tools for all the other teams. So each team doesn't have to reinvent it. We also have similar team for our backend engineers that provides framework for all the backend services. I partially look at content and experience management platform team also as that because we provide content and content delivery services to all that our teams. And with addition of things like GraphQL, we make that experience even better. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing, Kat. So as leaders of engineering teams, I'd love to know how you both think about the developer experience. What does the term mean, actually? From my point of view, developer experience starts from very basic things. How does a developer do their work day to day? Do they have to jump through the hoops to even start? What is the process for them to get their code reviewed, approved, deployed? What are the tools and options out there? for them to be successful? Yeah, from my point of view, I mean, somewhat similar, I think mostly take it as a a morale. So obviously it all plays into that. If they have to jump through different libraries, if they have to make a billion choices to implement something as opposed to using an SDK that seems to be robust and and helpful and doing what they need to do to build the features that they need to build, they're going to be happier. It's going to be a better developer experience. And for me, selfishly, as an architect, that means that we get to move closer towards what we see as 
the desired target state architecture or the perfect world. So I'm, I'm thinking about it more broadly, but you know, all those things contribute to it. You know, the build tools, IDEs, libraries, SDKs, all of that combined, hopefully making the developer's life easier and ultimately happier and more effective and productive. And maybe also a little bit more creative, right? If you can reduce the amount of repetitive, boring tasks and increase the amount of exciting build that probably can be more complicated, but is more fun because there's, you know, a greater challenge and you can build something that's really exciting and that is really going to create change for a portion of the org or the org itself. That is probably what will make most developers happier than uh, just uh, routine tasks. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, we talked about how moving to more composable architecture and a more modern solution within our platform has kind of unlocked some time to be, as you say, more creative, just because if they have more time to kind of snoop around APIs and SDKs and figure out what features are available to them, as opposed to working on these little ticky-tack tickets, <laughs> it's so much nicer to have another brain in the room that's like, okay, what could be different? What can be better? Can I go experiment with this thing? Having more time to, to contribute in that space. It is even small things that can balloon into a major time suck. So for example, let's say you use a monolith CMS that is hosted by the vendor and it goes down. And the only way you find out when somebody reports to whatever system you have to report bugs that something's not working versus having a modern stack that has the APIs, can do alerting, you can get an alert upfront that something is happening you know what it is, you know what the escalation of it might be. It just seems like a minor thing, but when you're on call is teams of people who need to figure out what is going on and why, it is disruptive. Absolutely. And speaking of teams, when you're managing several development teams, what do they need at that scale? How do you make them more successful? How do you prepare the ground for them to be their best selves, basically? Oh, if I had an answer that would solve all the problems, I would give it to you. But I would say trust and transparency goes a long way. I believe in oversharing rather than undersharing. So I am working with adults. They can all take as little as much they want from the information I share and the context for the sharing. But what I have found during this journey that we're on is even though I manage multiple teams that on surface seem disconnected, they're very, very connected. So for example, one of the things we have been looking forward to for a long time is a live preview in a CMS. Seems simple on surface, but when you have a complicated front-end build system, it is not so much. Thankfully, I support both teams, both the CMS and the front-end build systems. So there's this bridges that like most people, invisible, unless you start really digging into it. And sometimes it goes the opposite way. Another team might discover something interesting and I bring it back to another team because they're related, but they don't directly talk to each other all the time. Jason is also in a similar position where he's an architect for multiple teams, so he sees some of the bridges, but his bridges are different from mine. So this is why I love having Jason on my teams. He sees one angle, I see another. Combined, we're almost invincible. And Jason, any additional thoughts on building bridges across teams? I mean, it helps when, as Kat mentioned, we span different teams. 
It's looking up the chain. Executive engagement, I think, is a big one because at some level, you don't have that connection anymore. So being able to look up and, and see somebody you know, at a director or VP level, at least having vision and not necessarily giving that direct communication, but facilitating it, I think is important. And when you look outside of your own org, so looking towards you know the business side, maintaining those similar connections, that, that similar executive engagement to try to align as best as you can. And there's never going to be perfect alignment in an org that big. But at least having that awareness to be able to react or engage on it, I think is important at the higher level, the executive level. Absolutely. Could not agree more. What do you look for in technology and in technology specifically to support happy and high-performing developers? What I look for in technology on that front is not necessarily something that's super modern because I think the newer technology out there isn't always widely supported and doesn't have the best SDKs, APIs, that sort of thing. What I look for is established solutions that have robust SDKs that you know we can go and poke around in, well-documented. We can see that it can tackle our capabilities. We can go and actually use them and implement them in you know, these POCs to make sure that they are what we think they are. Same goes for the APIs. And we were lucky enough to have our developers really involved in our evaluation process. They contributed their criteria. They evaluated the criteria based on the POCs that they themselves built. And I think across the board, looking at APIs, SDKs, and the application as a whole, I think just support in general is a huge component of that. I think support we often think of from a user perspective, like I can't seem to publish this thing, how do I do that? But it also goes to the technical side where developers need access to that support as well to make sure that their questions are answered and that they can do what they want and need to do. In my opinion, at least, developers are happiest when they get to explore. And historically, in the monoliths, they have been kind of locked in the house. You can only do so much. And this is where I think Composable opens the opportunities, not only for developers, but organizations overall. It is more about Lego blocks. And one of the examples I like to use is the historical monolithic systems are like your grandma's glass vase. It is beautiful to look at, but it's only good for one thing. Give us Lego blocks. Give them in different colors, different sizes. As long as they connect together, developers are happy. It means if we use one vendor and they don't necessarily work out, we can go turn around and try something else or sometimes maybe build something in-house. Just having the possibility, flexibility is what, in my opinion, most developers want. Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Also managers who encourage that exploration. Absolutely. There is no growth without support. Right. And you need that support system in place that actually allows you to try different things and not look at a web project or a microsite. Let's take that example because we had it in the beginning and do it once and then never look at it again because it's done. Right. That's so 90s, but it's still something that is prevalent in, in many organizations these days. What is your one piece of advice that you would give a developer that wants to find his or her happy place, what to look for. Be involved. I would say get involved with the decision-making process. They say decisions are made by people who are in the room. So I think a lot of the time we're told, we're voluntold to go implement a thing like, hey, we just bought this software, go nuts, without any input. 
And then we see it and it's like, oh, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. This is going to be miserable. Now I'm going to go look for, you know, another job or something else to do. So I think <laughs> raise your hand, get involved in the process, give your criteria, give your feedback. Same thing that we talked about earlier. As a developer, as any contributor, you should be looking to your colleagues and people in and outside your org that have the same opinion as you to try to drive your point of view through and to make sure your voice is heard. I'm going to piggyback off of that and say, don't always listen to people who have the same opinion as you do, because the best ideas come out of conflict. Contradicting with you a little bit. Are we going to have a great idea soon? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we need to have a podcast. You know what? I'm 100% sure there is a great idea coming because I can totally see why you two as wing man and wing woman work exceptionally well. Thanks for listening to People Changing Enterprises. This show is brought to you by ContentStack, the leading composable digital experience platform for enterprises. Got a question or suggestion? Email us at podcast at contentstack.com. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new episode helping you make your mark.